today on the Provoke and Inspire podcast. I wrote the music for an old classic horror film called Nosferatu. Through my Christian worldview, I saw the gospel, I saw it, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, I got to do something with this someday. People talk all the time about good art is is authentic, right? It, It communicates what you really believe. It's saying something. Every artist is an evangelist for something. I'm being evangelized by every form of media everywhere, all the time, for every purpose. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Uh, This is a unique little segment we are recording as an introduction to an interview we did with Come and Live artist Phil Shorey. He's going to be explaining some of the amazing outreach that he's been doing in the Twin Cities uh, and around the world. Uh, So we'll bring him on shortly. Uh, Before that, I do want to mention a couple of things. Uh, We have started a Provoke and Inspire podcast community group on Facebook. If you consider this something that you are a regular listener of, and a fan of, uh, consider joining that group. It is a closed group, so if you uh, look that up, you can request access. Otherwise, you can send a message to us on the Come and Live Facebook page or send an email to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com. Also, if you're a fan of this podcast in general, consider spreading the word, um, either just word of mouth or on social media. Otherwise, you can, of course, rate it and review it on iTunes, which also increases its exposure, so that would be much appreciated. Uh, And really quickly... Something I've, I've mentioned uh, the last several weeks is we have a shortened version of our uh, full 10-week training school called the Steiger Compact School uh, from January 3rd to the 5th, 2019 in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Um, the Steiger Compact School is a three-day intensive missions training program. Uh, we teach Steiger values, uh, models for relevantly sharing Jesus and discipling the global youth culture. So consider coming to that if you're from the Minneapolis Twin Cities area, uh, steiger.org slash compact USA. All right. Well, now we have the privilege of having Phil Shorey join us. Uh, as you can probably tell, it is a different day. David has disappeared. Chad and Luke are not with us, but I do have Phil. Uh, actually, for the second time on this podcast, you were part of this way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, okay, let me give some introductions. Phil uh, has been a longtime Steiger missionary um, and a come and live artist. He uh, is an incredibly creative guy. He uses a variety of different tools to share the gospel. Um, and actually, we, we were part of the Steiger Mission School. The thing I keep promoting on this uh, podcast, we were part of that in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man, dang, back in New that was Zealand. 10 years ago. Yep. And look at us now. We look the same. <laughs> we're still going. Party mm-hmm. on. Yeah, yeah. Still crazy. <laughs> so, okay. So here's what we're going to do. Phil, I want you to talk about um, this incredible new project you've been working on. It's probably been a year, but I'll let you do the mm-hmm. explaining. Uh, that, And then you just... You did your second performance of this project, and I'll let you explain it, um, how it kind of came to be, and then we can kind of talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, typically with Steiger, I do something called the Suitcase Sideshow. It's a marionette theater traveling around with a, a street theater, doing marionettes all over the world. Um, but then this past January, I wrote the music for an old classic horror film called Nosferatu, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a German expressionist film, has a cult following, huge film. Um, and now I've done, I did a show in Poland with a 70 piece orchestra and now I've done a show here in Minneapolis, two shows back to back, um, sold out the music box theater. First time they'd ever, uh, come close to selling it out. Really? 
and uh, we had over 700 people come through the doors and it was just an amazing show with another or different orchestra 35 piece this time Uh, i wrote it for industrial percussion uh, or full orchestra choir uh, electronica weaved in with around it all very synced with a with tempo maps to the film locked in place no very little improvising but space for a little good art isn't improvised yeah in my opinion well, it's but very anyway. very mapped out it's very ex- very exciting and very very high high quality and um yeah it's just amazing i had no idea that i'd be that my year would change <laughs> like yeah i wrote it in january in three months mulled over the music for a couple of years after talking with the director of slot she gave me the idea the opportunity which I, is huge crazy yeah super huge i mean i if you talk to my wife this is a dream come true because I, I I used I showed her the film when we were dating, and she she's like I told her like someday, how did the date go it must someday, have gone pretty well. well I introduced her to like a <laughs> lot of you know Princess Bride and you know a lot of crazy she didn't films. she'd never watched Princess Bride I know yeah it's I, a classic no, it, exactly well you know how it's a, it's a I'm I'm privileged that I got to show her Chris well yeah no that was Princess that might have been the key yeah but, I mean I don't know how else you pulled it off exactly exactly <laughs> um. Yeah, well, anyway, I told her I, I told her someday I'm going to write the music for this film, Dude, but I don't that. have an orchestra, and I just kind of forgot about it. And if you know my story a little bit, I went to school for film, ask, film yeah. composition. Uh, I, I, you know, I fell in love with film scoring in high school, went through a vampire phase back then. Everybody and, went through like, a vampire exactly, phase. Exactly, exactly. No big deal. <laughs> uh, luckily, I came out of that. Mostly teenage girls these days, but anyway. Yeah, these days. You know. But back then, it was for anybody. <laughs> Um, but then like, I, you know, I just went to film school when I was in film scoring school, I, I took the sideshow to the premier uh, tour of Brazil, performed it in a brothel, performed it in uh, favelas and God just moved powerfully. I just saw radical things happen. I so just, explain a little bit more what the sideshow is like the suitcase sideshow. Yeah. Is. So just marionette theater and we, we take different types of stories into hard to reach fringe corners of the world. Uh, and we share the gospel um, in you know unique, lighthearted, but very uh, meaty kind of ways, dealing yeah. with real life issues uh, in homeless shelters, under bridges, uh, you know, just fringe areas, street corners, street theater style. And when I came back from Brazil, I I just was a wreck, like David likes to say, a ruin for the ordinary. Ordinary. Yeah. And I was in school, and I was that was spring break, and I'm like, what am I doing in film school? film scoring school like i don't want to play the rat race i don't want to just climb the ladder into hollywood and work for a bunch of directors that don't you know have the same calling as me right and uh so i i had an opportunity to go on tour with no longer music or do an internship with a hollywood film composer and i chose no longer music in 2006 and just kept on that mission path i mean i it it changed my life and yeah, uh you know I and i just kind of used my music for the marionettes and for whatever random things came around but then full 10 years full circle you know like i'm i i see the nosferatu film with a a, a small eight piece ensemble in minneapolis and it was good music but it didn't interpret the film correctly in my opinion sure. and i just Wait, felt so this, you saw something that was over, essentially already doing this, or yeah, this has been done many times. Oh, okay. Really. Like, I mean, Nosferatu is a silent film. Mm-hmm. There's there's lots of groups that uh, that that pick old silent films, like Phantom of the Opera. Or oh, wow, I did not know that. It, it's a yeah. I mean, especially around Halloween. I mean, this kind of thing happens a lot, and so it, it's 
it's not it's not a totally original idea. I mean, it's like a, right. it's like a punk band, right? You know, everyone's been in a punk band. But I was in a vampire punk band. It, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, I saw it and I thought, like, you know, it's been done before, but not the well. interpretation was totally off. Right. You know, like they made it was lighthearted on the vampire instead of seeing the vampire as this like force of evil. You know. It just kind of made him out to look goofy, and then they didn't really pay pay justice to the heroic love sacrifice of Ellen redemption the redemption that theme, you know. So I think through my Christian worldview, I saw the gospel. I saw it. I saw this film also in school, and it brought me to tears. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, "I got to do something with this someday," huh. and that was you know ten years ago. And then I see the film again, and it doesn't have the right interpretation. The music was great, but it just didn't interpret the film correctly. Sure. So, so I th- I just felt that prompting again, like you got to do something with do this something. film. This time, do it with this other worldview, this huh. other interpretation. That truthfully, I've never seen anybody do it with right. a Christian worldview. Um, so then I, because I'm I have three kids, and I don't perform the marionette sideshow too often because it's difficult. Right. I thought, what can I do with this story that will reach the most people possible? And, and it was the comic book. You know, it was the Va- Curse of the Vampire comic book. So, so I, you, you, you created a comic so book. So, yeah, per, I produced and hired an illustrator. If you're struggling to follow all the different creative endeavors that Phil does, it, that's, that's part of the story. <laughs> that's part of Phil. It's just awesome. It's so many different things. So whatever works, you know. So yeah. we, we, we produced Curse of the Vampire as a comic book, and I, I – I proposed this project to the, the Slot Art Festival director saying, hey, we should show Nosferatu and we can translate this comic into Polish and then hand it out and it'll be a way that people can hear the gospel uh, through the film and with the comic. It'll yeah. be really cool. And then she's like, well, that sounds great, but why don't you write music for the film and then we can perform it? Huh. And I thought, sure, that's crazy, huge idea, but I don't have an orchestra. And then she she said, well, I have Who an orchestra. An, yeah. Who just has an orchestra? You can use my orchestra. <laughs> it's like a car. Yeah. Can I borrow your orchestra? i got to go to the store. Yeah. I mean, it's beyond me. <laughs> that's cool. So then she she invited me as the featured composer, up-and-coming, quote-unquote, uh, composer for the festival. Like that's the, so cool. And I got to... And it was just an incredible journey with the orchestra, mixed believers, non-believers, uh, bringing them on this journey, showing them God's love through the mm. music, through the meaning of the film, and then performing it live for a few thousand people uh, in at slot to close out the night. Yeah, incredible. so let me – there's two There's two things I want to – I need you to settle an argument we had yesterday, so I'll do that second. But the first thing is um, talk about – like one thing I've always admired about you is that no matter what – method God has inspired you to use the gospel is always something that is the priority. It's like, that's ultimately it's the mechanism is secondary to the purpose ultimately. Mm -hmm. And yet as an artist, you're awesome and it's creative and it's, and people often think it's antithetical, right? You can either have, you can either care about the creative process or Mm -hmm. you can preach the gospel. Can you kind of give your, first of all, explain what you did through Nosferatu because you've, you've hinted at it Mm -hmm. and then maybe share your thoughts on, on that false dichotomy. Man, well, yeah, well, we we performed with a live orchestra with a 95-minute silent horror film. And afterwards, I bring up the three themes, uh, the vampire hunting theme, John's adventure theme, and Ellen's love theme. 
And really those three themes represent, you know, the, the hunting theme, which is the death, the evil in the world, every, you know, abuse, hate, uh, everything you see on the news. It's just yeah. it's sucking the life out of our world. It's the, the fallen nature. It's the curse of the vampire. Yeah. And you had John's adventure theme, which is like everybody else just wants to be happy. But he's been seduced by greed. He's been seduced by the curse of the vampire. Yeah. He seeks his own uh, fortune. And what does it lead to? It leads to death for his, for his community, for him, and death to his relationship with him and Ellen. And then you have Ellen, who is this lover, and she's wise, and she's smart. She's strong. She tells him not to go. And he doesn't listen. And she's like the Holy Spirit. You know, She doesn't push, but she lets him go. She lets him uh, do, yeah, do free, what he ultimately. wants. Yeah, and then when he comes back, and he, he, then she realizes she is the only one, a pure sacrifice, willing in heart, who can rid the community of the curse of the vampire. Huh. So she has to willingly give her life oh, wow. to the vampire to destroy it. And then, the, on, you know, the next morning, the sun rises. The vampire is lost in a trance and in, in, his, in his feeding, and he realizes he's been caught. He's been tricked, and. The sun rises and he's destroyed. Huh. And then she rises. All that's been under the vampire's curse is lifted and set free. Isn't it amazing how so it's just a perfect allegory right. of, the, of the gospel? Isn't it amazing how you see that in Hollywood or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, the story I, continues to be I mean, repeated. the original Bram Stoker, the original author of Dracula, he was an Irish Anglican. You know, the story was written in a more of a, I think, a Christian worldview of society, you know. So I don't know what. What the original, fully original meaning was, but it just seems really obvious to me. And so you use that to share the gospel. Yeah, so I explained that, and then I tie it into what I experienced when I saw the film and how it gripped me, and and I, I, I really i am aiming at a difference between religion and Jesus. Right. Uh, that's that's the, the where I'm, I'm targeted with the message. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of your question with uh, art and the gospel— I mean, yes, uh, some people came up to me after the show and said the ending, the conclusion that I, I said was their favorite part of the whole show. Um, a 90-year-old lady who's been following Orchestra Hall, she said that it was one of the best things she's ever seen. Uh, that's kind of funny. Weird. She's but seen a lot, too. She's seen a lot. Many yeah, wars. Many, war, many battles. Um, the <laughs> thing that would compete the, is the, the best thing The thing that, I, for seen. me, like with this... I mean, obviously, creativity, we try to be, have integrity because that gives us a, a bit of a platform. But uh, for me, really, like if I was not to be true to sharing the gospel with this orchestra, I'd be a total sellout. Right. Because like I didn't get an orchestra on my own. That was fasting and praying and a thousand phone calls and a miracle. I mean, so many miracles to make this happen. Um Casting the vision and people being like, "Hey, that's a project I worth. It's worth me donating a whole bunch of my time." Right. Typically, the, what other, most of these yeah, players where the, would be what paid. Other context do people do that? Yeah, to find a volunteer orchestra that sees uh, a purpose, willing that they're you know they want to donate to. Yeah. Yeah. For me, not to share the gospel would be like, you know, it'd be a total sellout, and it would defeat the purpose of why we did it. And uh, I, I just. I feel like that's why it's here. Like I'm a nobody, you know. I'm not a great composer. How many film? How many people get to go to film school and then they never hear their music performed with an orchestra? And I didn't well, even pursue the, the rat majority, race. Majority, I'm sure. Majority, and I didn't pursue the rat race. So it's clearly it's a miracle. Clearly, God gave me this. 
clearly this is just God saying, you know, keep going and right. and do it. Uh, the blessings that He's given me, and and I have to be true to to His word, and and it and I and that's why it's that's what it's for. It's such a bizarre animal to have an orchestra, an evangelistic orchestra like that doesn't happen. No. So, so it's a miracle. Yeah, so but even, give even, credit to where credits do. Right, but even <laughs> something you you hinted at that I think is so relevant is that people talk all the time about good art is is authentic, right? It it communicates what you really yeah. believe. It's saying something. Yeah. So to create this within the Christian community to create this idea that to have a message makes your art less authentic is ridiculous because you have yeah. to suppress yeah, who absolutely. you are I, and what you're I, expressing. I, I How is that get, authentic? I did get one email from somebody saying. Uh, they lo- they love the show. They thought it was incredible, and then they're like, "But the ending, the, how, what you said, was like a sales pitch." And they were really mean about it. You know, like they're just they're th- trying to really degrade it. And if I were to respond, I would just <laughs> ask. You're not. I would just ask, Hashtag like, troll. "Hey, like, I would just say, is one form of inspiration worth hearing, and another form of inspiration not worth hearing?" What's this? Why, why? Why would you? You know, it could have been about like, oh, I got this energy from within that inspired this thing and everyone had been fine or some Buddhist thing and everyone had been fine. But because I'm inspired by right. the Holy Spirit, by the prompting of God's power and his strength and his love, uh, that for some reason is an inspiration that people don't want to hear about. Yeah, but every – don't – well, first of all, you don't have to out the person, but was it a Christian or a non-Christian? More than likely a non-Christian. Okay, yeah. well, that's better. But, I mean, don't you feel like <laughs> – in some ways, it's like you're kind of doing your job if someone's a little angry, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. But we're yeah. all – like, yes. good – every – sales is such a it, – it's just – it's such a uh, propaganda way to take down what you were doing because every – all good art is selling something. Right. It, it's selling beauty. It's yeah. selling yep. a certain way of living. Yeah, it's yeah. It's – Yep. So you put the word sale on it, and then all of a sudden it's an easy way to dismiss it. But well, every good I mean, piece of art is selling and something. Every, every, and every artist is an evangelist for something. Of course. I'm being evangelized by every form of media everywhere. Always. All the time for every purpose. That's why it's so ridiculous. So, so like to say it's like evangelism or whatever, I'm like, well, everything's evangelizing. Uh, some when I find are, a new like pancake restaurant, I'm evangelizing the heck out of that. Yeah. Absolutely. I love pancakes. Yeah, do it. And and you've been evangelized. Right. Oh, man. No, but see, that's what's so weird <laughs> is it's like – I mean, this is something my dad says all the time, mm-hmm. right? Everyone can say anything they want so plainly, so clearly. Yep. And somehow Christians are the only one that, yeah. that even internally are, are yeah. encouraged to suppress. It's yeah. so bizarre. And, I, and I, honestly, I don't even feel like I need to uh, preface the the show with like, oh, this is a Christian – thing because i don't want to i don't want it to be a christian thing i mean it's what it's why it's called curse of the vampire like scare away the christians i guess but like i mean i i don't want to call this thing because then all of a sudden that that creates this division that like oh this is a christian thing and this is and it's like everything else whereas like there's no there's there's artists that are really inspired by buddha and there's artists that are really uh, inspired by humanism and postmodernism or political and things political or things whatever. and it's like they don't have their own camp you know so why should i try to segregate or isolate what i do i'm just i'm 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 by not saying that what this what was inspired me ahead of time nobody else does nobody else is like yeah, trying to come to my show i'm all about sex and drugs yeah like, yeah it's like oh that'll like, be pretty self-evident once you hear my garbage exactly, music exactly exactly and you just you just go 
and then the artist is gonna say what's inspired right, them. Of course, and you're just like, well, it's it's an artist. That's his art. He has the right to say that, and that's fine. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's a it's a of course there's a spiritual fight to it. Mm-hmm. And, and the weird part is when it's within the Christian community. And I think what it is is that that it's other people feeling the guilt that they should be using their platforms more openly. And if we can create even in the Christian culture a sense that that is a lesser form of art, then it helps justify not doing it. I think there's an element of that, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it when someone can see that you're being bold with the platform that you have, it, I think the Holy Spirit can use that to say, you have a platform too. You you can be open as well. Mm-hmm. And if we can create these paradigms that dismiss it, yeah. well, that's just being salesy, then it's easier to say, oh, then I don't have to do it. Yeah. One of my one of my fears that I'm wrestling with right now and just something that I've I think about a lot is that one, I, I, I really hope this show inspires believers. Like they see the quality and they saw the mes- message, they saw the response, and they're, they think, hey, that's a way to do it. Right. You know, like that's a way, that's a way it can be done. All I need and is a 70 piece orchestra just, and a silent or film. Or a 35 piece orchestra. <laughs> even a 35 piece orchestra. Can I borrow your orchestra? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then, so, so I hope that brings inspiration. Yeah. One, of my, one of my fears. And in my prayers is, um, you know, like I expect there to be a little pushback, right? I mean, always there's yeah. going to be someone yeah, that's upset about it. There, yeah. yep. If there isn't pushback, it's kind of weird. Um, and I'm prepared for it. I'm okay with that. But for the believers that brought their friends and their friends are like, that was amazing. But what he said at the end is stupid and I'm hurt by it somehow or whatever. Um, I My prayer is that... My, those, those the believers they're turned off that they're not turned off that they're yeah. not they don't succumb to the pressure sure and they don't get another like oh yeah well evangelism blah 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 you know I, I hope they are strong enough to say hey well it's a spiritual battle you know and they're yeah. they, they see that like no that was actually really amazing and what he said was true and if my friend doesn't like it it doesn't speak ill of no. The method or the message speaks ill that they're just not in the place to receive it right. yet. And that, but that again is, is I think where we've got to get people in the church to recognize that for, for us to make a difference, it has to be a collective effort. And your, yeah. you know, what I would say is you're providing a very elaborate excuse for people to then do a, a ministry in their own lives. Yeah. And right. That, and if they yeah. own, if they own that, yeah. they own the cost of that, yeah. then they won't have a problem with it. The problem is if yeah. they, if it's they, they're not bought in fully. They bring their friend, and then they deal with the backlash, and they're not prepared for that. Exactly. Yeah. Then, then they haven't. Then they come as spectators. Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you come in recognizing that this is an excuse for you to do ministry, yeah. Then I think you're prepared for the the long haul of of even the fallout of mm-hmm. that opportunity. Yeah. And so I, I think part of it is we, you know, I we we in our own ways provide opportunities excuses for people to do ministry in their mm-hmm. own lives. Yeah. And I think that really that works. I mean, when we're in a foreign country, maybe we we don't do that as much because we're not working with churches as closely. Mm-hmm. But when we're doing local things, it's very much mm-hmm. that. And I imagine a lot of the evangelism was based on the premise that bring your friend. Yeah, not and, intentionally, and, but, but yes, not vocally. It was just like sure. come, but uh but that's what happens. I I talked to one uh, mom after the show who came up and she said, yeah, I brought my six kids and two of them I know aren't serving the Lord, but they all shined their lights when you said, if you if you want to know and Jesus that, in this way. Really quickly explain what that is. Uh, well, that's that? just like an easy way. I, I do some kind of altar call where 
It's like, you know, if you want to know Jesus in this way, it's a dark theater, you know, get out your flashlight on your phone or raise your fist and let's light the, let's shine a light in the darkness together, cool. you know, and it's, it's just really beautiful. Um, people usually like break into tears when they see it and it's just a, a it's cool way beautiful moment. That's creative. I yeah. Like that. And then, and then I try to invite those people with the lights to meet me down in front or to meet someone up in the balcony or, you know, we try to remind them that this is not just an emotional experience, but this is a, you know, the first of many steps. Yeah. But, she, but she had two people, two of her kids that were not believers that huh. she knew of. And I'm like, hey, follow up with them. Like, she's huh. like, yes, I can't wait. Thank you. Cool. You know, to ask them what this meant for them. That's so, so cool. Well, anyway, got to wrap things up. But, dude, I'm so encouraged by what you're doing. Um, there are many aspects to this conversation we didn't get to, even just creativity and risk taking and, and mm. what does it take to actually go from being inspired to doing something? I think that would be very interesting for people because that's one thing that I always say about you is Phil does stuff, which sounds funny. It sounds oversimplistic, but not many people do. Not many people take a dream and make it happen. And yeah. even in that, there's some principles that we should talk about. Maybe we'll, we'll do that at a different time. And since you're yeah. in the cities, that'll be easy. So, yeah. but anyway, Phil, um, Shori, come and live artist, Steiger missionary, the suitcase size show. And then hopefully Nosferatu will be happening again at some point in the cities. I think, I think it will. I, yeah, yeah. I, lots of people are asking to see right. it again and asking when is it happening again? So yeah. Someday. So when, when it is, when we know, when it, when we know a date is up, we'll, we'll have you back on and we'll, we'll let people know. Yep. Um, but otherwise, keep on doing what you're doing, man. It's, cool. it's pretty dang inspiring. So Thank you. Peace. Thanks for listening to Provoke and Inspire, the official Come and Live podcast. To hear past podcasts, go to comeandlive.com. Got a question for the guys? Send it in to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com.